He is alive. He is alive. That is wonderful news, and that's what we want to talk about today. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, if you do not have a Bible with you, there is a pew Bible in, in front of you. Uh, it is uh, 1 Corinthians is right after Acts, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians there, about six books in to the, to the New Testament. Because He lives. To, to a greater... To the greater extent than anything else, more than anything else, Christianity is a religion of the resurrection. More than anything else, we count on the fact of the reality of the resurrection. And because of that, because that is the key component to Christianity, it should not surprise us that that is the area, that is the one point that is attacked, that is denied, that is ridiculed. People try to excuse it, they try to pass it off, they try to explain it away. Why? Because that is, the, that is the key foundation, the cornerstone of Christianity. It is what separates Christianity from every other so-called religion in the world. Our Savior lives. Jesus is alive. And without that, resur- without that resurrection, without that, Christianity loses all of its force, all of its truth. It crumbles. And if you don't believe me on that, look with me in verse 14 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And Paul makes this very clear, starting really in verse 13. We'll start there. He says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And listen, this is what he's saying. If Christ has not been raised, listen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Paul says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. That's the the reality of Christianity. That's the summation of Christianity apart from the resurrection, without the resurrection, void of the resurrection. And here's what we find without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find pity, we find vanity, we find lies, we find perishing, we find futility, we find mortality. All, all are truths without the resurrection. And, and Paul makes that very clear. Without the resurrection, what we're doing this Sunday, what Christians all over the world are doing on this day, what we do every day, worthless. Waste of time. Empty. Vain. But, but look with me at the wonderful news in, in, in verse 20. I, I love as you read Scripture, I always love the buts. And this is one of the, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this from the pulpit, but this is one of the biggest, baddest buts in all the Bible. I, and forgive me, I don't mean, what are you going to take away from Easter? He said it's a big, bad but. But anyway, but now, listen to me, you, you, you see huge, huge changes in Scripture on these buts. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Here's the, here's the reality of that verse. Here's the, the weight of that verse. You can, because of the resurrection, you can go back 
to everything that Paul just said in verses 14 through 19, and you can state them in the opposite. You can state them in the positive. You can state them in the reverse. All because of the resurrection. It changes everything. It gives life meaning. It gives life purpose. It, it gives, uh, it gives eternality, eternality, eternality to mortality. It flips everything upside down. The resurrection flipped everything that, that they believed, everything at that day, it flipped it all upside down. And that's what I want to do today. Real quickly, we won't be here long because there's food out there and, and, and I know why you're here. I'm not foolish. But we're going to do this real quickly. But I want to show us the reality of the resurrection. I want to show us how the resurrection flipped everything upside down and the truths and, and the, just the foundational truths to build your life upon because He lives. And because He lives, here we go, because He lives, our preaching of the gospel is truth. Because He lives, the, our preaching of the gospel is truth. You see that? He says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. That word vain means empty. It means it means. It doesn't carry any, carry any weight. It's without, without glory, nothing. But listen, because of, the, because of the resurrection, Paul would say our preaching is not in vain. Our preaching is truth. And that, that is the one thing about Christianity that sets it apart from all other religions. Really, it's the one area of Christianity that people attack and hate. This world hates truths. We hate absolute truths. We hate truths that exclude all other things as being true. And because of the resurrection, Romans 1.4 says that, that He declared Jesus to be His Son through the power of the resurrection. When Jesus came out of that tomb, it validated every single thing that the apostles had been told, everything that Jesus had said, and their preaching was, no, was not in vain, it was truth. It validated it. And the thing that people hate about Christianity is the fact that it's an all-or-nothing deal. It's not a take a little bit of Christianity, take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, take a, bring it all together and we all go to heaven in a little rowboat. That's not Christianity. It's an all-or-nothing thing. Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In fact, his death, he comforted them with his death to say, my death, I'm going to prepare a place for you that when I'm finished, I will come back to you. Take comfort in these words. The resurrection proved that the gospel was true, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It proved what, the, what he had told them, what the, what the gospel writers would write. It was truth. There is one gospel, and it's Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. One gospel. Because He lives, our gospel is true. But because He lives, not only that, we can be forgiven of our sin. Look at what Paul says in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sin. Because of the resurrection, we can, we can reverse that and say, your faith is of utmost value and you are no longer in your sins, those who believe in Jesus Christ. When he came out of that tomb, death, hell, sin, and the grave was conquered, finished, no longer an enemy, defeated. And we can, still, we can be forgiven of our sins. And that right there is the most basic fundamental, foundational thing in, in all of mankind needs to be forgiven of their sin. 
Every single person, they know they're a sinner. They know they're guilty. How do they deal with that? See, if God still holds our sin against us, then we cannot be in His presence. We have a problem. We have sinned. There's no hope of anything else from God if He still holds our sin against us. And at the cross, at Jesus' death, burial, and at His resurrection, that was the foundation of every other blessing from God because by placing my faith in Jesus Christ, God no longer holds my sin against me. He no longer considers me a sinner. He declares me to be righteous. And therefore, all other blessings can flow through that relationship with Jesus Christ. We're no longer in our sins. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. We trade in our sinfulness for righteousness. Why? Because He lives. And the connection with the resurrection is very important. Salvation's connection. It is incomplete without the resurrection. That's why at the beginning of this chapter, in verse 3, Paul said, For I delivered to you of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Without the resurrection, death wins. Without the resurrection, we live all of our lives doing all this stuff, and at the end of the day, you know what? It's futile because death wins. It's a waste of time. And yet because of the resurrection, death does not win. The death that Jesus paid, paid the, the death that He paid was for sins, and it was for the sins of the whole world, that through faith in Him we could be forgiven. But the resurrection He lived, the life He lived, He also lived for us, that through belief in Him we will live. And God raised Him from the dead to validate that sin's penalty had been paid. The resurrection is, is in some ways like a receipt, giving you a receipt to say the sale is final, it's finished, it's done. And every single person in this room, every single person in this world needs forgiveness. Even when we don't think about it, we long for it. And not only forgiveness, if we've been forgiven from our Heavenly Father, then we can forgive one another, and that's an obvious implication of the resurrection. But because He lives, our sins have been forgiven. Salvation is available. Forgiveness is available through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says that because He lives, your faith is not worthless and you are not still in your sins, believer. But not only that, because He lives, our faith is well-founded. It's well-founded. In, in, instead of saying that our faith is in vain, you can say positively that because of the resurrection, it's well-founded. Because of the resurrection, there is someone that we can trust. There are realities that we can trust no matter what happens to us. And, and really, the resurrection, if we're honest, it, it lays the foundation for everything that, we're, that we see and we're called to in the Bible. Why would we find joy in suffering and trials? without the resurrection. Why would Job say in Job 13, 15, though he may slay me, I will continue to trust and praise him. Why? Because Job knew that there was a resurrection waiting for him. Why would we suffer and say it's gain? Why would we die and say it's gain? Why would Paul say it's a joy to partake in the fellowship of his sufferings? Why? Because of the resurrection. None of that makes any sense without the resurrection. 
but it makes completely, complete sense if there's a resurrection. That God has said, you trade in this life for eternity. You give this life to me, and I will give you eternity. That makes all the sense in the world. That makes whatever you suffer, whatever you go through, whatever pain, whatever loss, whatever you go through on behalf of the gospel, it is well-founded and worth it. You are exchanging the temporary for the eternity. You are trading that which you can see for that which you cannot see. You are trading that which perishes for that which cannot perish, that which fades for that which cannot fade. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that His power is over death, it's over sin, it's over our enemies. And the result of this is that He can be completely trustworthy. He told, I mean, of all the claims He made, destroy this body and in three days I'll raise it up again. If you were ever going to wonder, that, that'd be where you'd wonder. And yet three days after His death, you find Him doing exactly what He said He would do. And the life I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me, Galatians 2.20, Paul said. Why? Because He has a risen Savior. And He knew that His faith was well founded. And because Jesus gave His life up for Him and had promised Him eternity, Paul said, it's no, it is, that is an easy trade. I will gladly give my life up for that Savior. And in doing so, I'll gain it forever. His faith is well founded. Fourthly, because Christ lives, those who've fallen asleep in Jesus Christ are alive. They're alive. And Paul says that in verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Without the resurrection, that would be true. With the resurrection, let's reverse that. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ live more now than they ever have. They're more alive today than they ever were before. And that changes everything. And I want, to explain this, I want to explain this truth by giving an illustration of how this truth changes everything. In, in 1871, you've heard this story before, but I, I think it bears repeating. In 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed nearly every single thing that Horatio Spafford owned. Two years after that fire, it, it was two years after that fire, he put his family, his wife and four daughters on a boat to sail across the ocean to England. Having lost everything two years prior, I'm sure he thought that the biggest trial of his life was behind him, but it was yet in front of him. As that ship sailed across the ocean, it collided with another ship in the middle of the ocean, and immediately the ship sank. Horatio Spafford got a tele would get a telegram from his, from his wife, and it would read this, Saved alone. His wife lived, his four daughters sank to the bottom of the ocean with that ship. Horatio Spafford would, would sail, would set sail across the ocean to be with his wife. And as he approached the spot where that ship, where the ship had collided, where the accident happened, where his four daughters had drowned, Horatio Spafford wrote the well-known hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Listen to, listen to the words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Can you imagine sitting on the front of that ship writing those words? Knowing that your four daughters were gone? 
You can imagine what, what must have been going through his mind when he says, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How in the world, the question is, how in the world does somebody write that? At that time. At that time in his life. Horatio goes on to write in that hymn, Let this blessed assurance control that God has regarded my helpless estate and Christ has shed His own blood for my soul. Here's what Horatio Spafford knew, and here's what he clinged to. In spite of that, it did not contradict the fact that Jesus loved him. And in spite of great trial, he knew that though his children died on that day, they lived eternally beginning that day because their faith was in Jesus Christ. He looked at that through the lens of the cross. And when Horatio Spafford, listen, when he gets to the end of that song, he does not see a Christ coming back to judge him, but to save him and to raise him and to raise his daughters from the grave. That, that is why Horatio Spafford could write, It is well with my soul, because that was not the end. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ guaranteed him that that was not the end. That's how Horatio Spafford could, could be sorrowful, as the Bible talks about, yet always rejoicing. Why? Because death has been defeated. Death no longer was an enemy. That because of the resurrection, because Christ lived, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are alive. They have not perished. They will live forever. They will live with Christ forever. Death is no longer master over them. The sting of death is defeated. The victory of death, gone. Paul writes about that at the end of this chapter. O oh, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because Christ is alive, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are alive. And Horatio Spafford knew that. Lastly, because Christ lives, Christians are to be envied. Christians are to be envied. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only... We are of all men most to be pitied. But because Jesus Christ lives, listen to what that verse says. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we are of all men most to be envied. Because of everything that we just said and more. Really, really, this is the summation of all that we have said, the results of all of these truths. We have, we have peace with God. The penalty of our sin has been paid. We are no longer condemned, but we are accepted as sons and daughters. We no longer fear death. We eagerly look towards death. Even though we die, we live. That's an enviable position. To stand in the face of death, to stand in the face of whatever comes at you, and know this, Christ loves me, and He died for me, and though I die, I will live. That is an enviable position. To stand in the face of a battle knowing you can't lose. That is why if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then living for Him, then doing what He says, then following His will, then submitting to Him and suffering for Him, it is a waste of time. Paul says without the resurrection, he, he ought to be pitied. He has wasted his life. But since Christ has been raised, because He knows that Christ reigns forever as King, all of His obedience, all of His love... All of his self-denial, that is not only not to be pitied, it is to be envied. And it's the same for you and I. 
because he lives. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for this momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory. Listen to me. For the believer, you know what that tells me? And I'm quoting John Piper in this, nothing is meaningless. For the believer, nothing is meaningless. Because Christ lives, He is able to take every ounce of suffering, even tragedy, everything that Satan would want to use to destroy us. Death, cancer, broken relationships, straying children, all that we face in this world, you name it. Christ is taking every single moment of every single one of those things and is producing in us an eternal weight of glory because Christ lives. The enviable position for a Christian becomes this. Nothing is meaningless. Christ is taking every single moment of your life, believer, and He is forging you and and molding you into His likeness. Nothing is meaningless. To the the non-believer, life is vain. It's void of purpose. What the Bible calls us to makes no sense. But for the believer, everything, everything has purpose. And Paul knew this. That's why he would close this chapter with this in verse 58. Therefore, here's the application to the resurrection. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever toil, whatever suffering, whatever we go through in the name of Jesus Christ, hear me, is not meaningless. It may seem meaningless now. It may seem void of that now. It is not meaningless. Not in vain. I think that's what all of us dread more than anything is to get to the end of our lives and just say it's vain, vanity. And yet Paul says, you live for Jesus Christ, you serve Him, you follow Him, you believe in Him, everything in your life will last for eternity. That which was done for Him. Everything suffered for Jesus Christ will be rewarded because He lives. Paul is saying, do not misuse your life. Don't waste your life. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I've wasted it. You don't have to. The cross proves that. Jesus' resurrection gives meaning to everything. The greatest, the greatest news in all the world is this. Jesus Christ lives. And as I close, I thought about this week for just a moment. I thought, I sat there and thought, what would we as believers forfeit without the resurrection? Listen to me. Hope, redemption, reconciliation, Christ's advocacy on our behalf, His intercessor, His mediation, We would forfeit a helper, we would forfeit a father, we would forfeit peace, we would forfeit a future, we'd forfeit a comforter, we'd forfeit purpose, we'd forfeit power. All of that lost if there is no resurrection. What we're left to is what Paul says in verse 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's it. Just live and die. Yet because Christ lives, these things are given for all eternity. For all eternity. We can face everything the world throws at us knowing this. Jesus Christ lives, therefore I live. Jesus Christ lives, therefore I will not go through this alone. Jesus Christ lives, therefore I have a helper. Jesus Christ lives, therefore I have hope. Jesus Christ lives, therefore again I will live. As we've sang this morning as I close, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, for He has redeemed us 
to God by the blood to receive power and riches and wisdom and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves to me that He conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave, and it proves to me that I am His and He is mine for all eternity. That my life is not vain. Everything I go through in this life is not vain. It has meaning. The question for us today is this. Are you, are you Jesus's? Can you, would you say about your life what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 without the resurrection or in trusting in the resurrection? Are all those things reversed for you? The reality of the resurrection is this. For those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have experienced a resurrection of sorts. Ephesians 1 says you were dead in your trespasses. And yet Christ has brought you to life through the resurrection, through believing in Him. Might, might placing your faith today in Jesus Christ, might you experience your own resurrection of a sorts, and, he, and in one day you'll find an eternal resurrection. There is waiting a day, there is waiting a day where there will be a glorious resurrection of those who have followed in Christ Jesus. Will you trust that? Will you place your faith in Jesus who rose from the grave? Again, as we've said, a well-founded, well-established truth. And for those of us who are believers, might we live knowing that everything is meaningful, knowing that there's no wasted aspects to this life. God is producing in us an eternal weight of glory through this momentary light affliction. And I say that in comparison to eternity. When you compare what, what you're going through, what many of us are going through is not light, and momentary, and yet in light of eternity, it is light and momentary, and God is producing in us eternal weight of glory. Praise God that He lives, because He lives. 